0: This is the best, 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 best practices in education, an Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. We'll go down to Odyssey. We'll learn some cool new things and new opportunities. Cause Odyssey is made of magic, made of magic.
1: This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. Welcome to Best Practices, an Odyssey School podcast. My name is Corey Adams, and I'll be your host. Today, we are joined by Odyssey Elementary Director Robin Skeen. Robin received her undergraduate degree from the University of Akron in early childhood education. Her master's in curriculum and instruction is from Grand Canyon University. After working in charter and public schools in Los Angeles, Robin moved to Asheville, North Carolina to join Odyssey Community School. Robin, welcome back to our podcast. Thank you. So let us know, what is the topic for your best practice? And let me just say, you are helping us kick off season three of our show. We're so excited to have you.
2: And what are you here to talk to us about? Well, as you know, the last couple years of education have presented unique um, difficulties and challenges (laughs) and opportunities to change the way we teach. And for those reasons, we developed a, a, a tool that we call Learning Paths. And what is a Learning Path? A Learning Path is a Google Doc with a chart on it that gives step-by-step instruction to students about what to do um, for a unit or a, um, something that you want them to learn. So uh, like we're doing a narrative writing learning path. So step one is brainstorming, and they watch a little video. Step two is writing a timeline, they watch a little video, and then they do it. So each step in the learning path, there's a video that they watch in an action step
1: is well, I, I have so many micro questions. But my first question is, I am curious about how this pathway for learning was developed.
2: I was inspired listening to a podcast from the cult of pedagogy Mm -hmm. and uh, they did one called a self paced classroom and their motivation and the people they talked to were from the modern classroom project that they have a great website and you can do a free training. And I did that and um, it teaches how to let kids work at their own pace Mm -hmm. and, and it frees the teacher in a way that they can help every student individually because the teaching is happening on the videos, the short videos that the teachers make themselves and they're all less than six minutes long. They're easy to make. And they, um, it's like working one-on-one with each student because you Mm -hmm. get to connect with them, even maybe in a way that you wouldn't get to with the whole class because you can make jokes and, you know, show your, your home and your life. And, uh, and and it's a right, so it's a way to connect with kids, and it's a way to really work with them individually, and it's a way to let them work at their own pace. So if they want to move faster or slower, they can.
1: And so I'm curious, are we seeing, like, if we were looking, sitting in your classroom, observing what was happening for your students, would they, they would all be plugged into a computer? They would be se- following a self-paced course of study? And do you have students who are remote and who are in person? What is the situation for you in your class currently?
2: This year has been different because we do often have students at home learning because if they're sick at all with anything, they're home. If they're exposed to COVID, they're staying home. So so a lot of times they're not even sick, but they have to be home. So it's a way that they could access the curriculum by doing their learning path at home or at school. And at school, uh, that is the way it would happen. They might have a computer and their headphones, but also their writing notebook or a piece of paper. So they kind of have a, a two workspaces in front of them, one with their computer and one with paper and pencil.
1: And just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, the videos that students are accessing are of you. Yes. So you have created the pathway, you are giving students these snippets, six minutes long, Here's the download. Can you give us an example of sort of the different kinds of videos that
2: might be on a particular learning path? Um, One way I've really used this a lot is in math. They if there is a subject that they're learning about, I will do a quick I'll use my document camera Mm -hmm. and loom, which lets you share your screen so they can see what's on my screen and they can see what's on my table. I'll give them the information or I could use some math manipulatives to show like how to do subtraction with Mm -hmm. regrouping, you know, and they have, I have all the tools there. I show an example and I have sometimes even a whiteboard that I use too. And then I, I say, here's your job to do this paper. And then they go do the paperwork.
1: And are they redirected after they do that paperwork back to the learning
2: path to go deeper? Um, yes. Last year, I, you know, I was just making the videos day by day. So this year I have all these videos already made. Mm-hmm. So, they, so they have this long path that they can travel down along on their own. So last year what I did for this early finishers is I had a section at the bottom of the learning path for challenge work. Mm-hmm. And it would be a challenge problem or a website to go uh, do some more work. Or they loved doing um, um, coding mm-hmm. in math class last year.
1: I'm curious about how this dovetails into individualized learning and scaling up or down based on a student's needs. So can you speak a little bit about that topic in regard to using a learning path?
2: Yeah, and and also using video is a great way to do that because when a whole class of people are listening to a lecture, some of them need more information, some of them need less information. Some of them are, are wanting you to speed up. Some of you are needing you to slow down. When a kid is watching a video, they can stop it on their own. They can go back and watch it again. They can speed it up if they already know a section. And then if they, and then sometimes third graders think they know something, but they don't, they'll, they can <laughs> speed it up and then go back oh, and think, oh, I didn't really see that and go back and watch it again. So just in the idea of using a video, it's differentiated like that, but. And then the next step is that they there's this path they can go as fast as they want to go. And the, there is somebody checking their work to make sure they're not just speeding through it and they are doing quality work because that's what the teachers are free to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the end, when, if they get to the very end, they can there can be a deeper project there for students who are ready for a bigger challenge. So you mentioned that this is the second
1: year that you're using learning paths in the classroom. And I'd love to hear about in that second year, looking at what the process was like in the first year and what kind of adjustments you're making now that you are familiar with
2: it. Yeah, now it's really a matter of going through all the videos that I made last year and putting them in a place that is easier to find this year. I tried to not name them things like Monday's math lesson, but I did. And <laughs> so, Very important, right? Yeah. So I had to go back and name things what they actually were about. And um, so I'm going through, I actually went through and found that I have a cursive letter video for every lowercase cursive letter and i put them all on one google doc so now if any student doesn't know a cursive letter they can go and watch that video and do that activity Mm -hmm. and that's even not it could be a path for someone who's come to our school late you know later and didn't learn or it could be a refresher for someone who just wants to know you know certain letters that they missed and so it's like right now, what I'm doing is I'm compiling things that have already happened. And when I made my um, writing learning path for their narrative writing, there were some videos that I made last year that I could use, and then some I needed to add because maybe sometimes I did live lessons last year. And um, so I just had to add a couple missing spots. So, what's the
1: pitch for our elementary teachers who are listening to the show? And you, here you are, you've been implementing for a couple of years. What can you say to other teachers out there who are looking for unique tools? Why choose this one?
2: I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable amount of effort it's once you get used to making a video quickly, you know, like I don't do a retake if I don't if I don't think it's perfect. You know, if my dog barks or my cat walks across the computer, that's a great part of the video. I keep <laughs> all that. And um, I so I just do my videos. And so it's it's easy. It makes life easier. It makes your instruction higher quality. And at a time when we're overwhelmed with everything, it it's it's something that increases your, um, your lesson quality and it's easy to do.
1: And are students meeting their learning
2: objectives? Yes. It also really translates well to online learning. Mm-hmm. If your whole class has to go home and they already know about learning paths, it's, it's not much different to go home and do a learning path. And, and I, I'll just start a zoom lesson, um, Tell you know, show them the learning path and then say, go ahead and do your learning path work, and then I'll leave the Zoom open until they can come to me and ask questions. So it's a real similar environment, whether they're home or at school. So I'm
1: hearing flexibility in that yes. that for faculty who are in still in the pandemic, people are trying to find out how can I keep my kids on target? How can I keep them moving forward for the year? And you're saying this provides you with the opportunity to teach in a similar way, both when kids have to be remote
2: and when they're in the classroom. Is that right? That is right. And I had a class last year, like after working through several um, different episodes of being home, where I had a hundred percent of my students doing a hundred percent of their work, which I almost fell over when I realized happened <laughs> because, you know, as the online teaching online, it's really hard to get that kind of number
1: sure so I'm curious looking ahead when we finally are through the pandemic and we're moving back to classroom teaching will you keep
2: using learning paths in the classroom I think I will I I don't know if I would have had the motivation to make the learning paths without the pandemic but I think once I have them made I will continue using them because I will be able to give kids more differentiated instruction so a part of my brain just makes a note
1: for folks who are considering that there is a certain amount of front loading that has to happen in order for the systems to be in place for long-term use. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. And, and the way I made that manageable was just making a couple videos a day mm-hmm. to start. Yeah, that's great. So just
1: as we're closing out the show, I think it would be great if you could sort of Go back to what it is that new teachers who are considering using this as a tool. Where do they look? How do they start developing their own learning paths?
2: I would check out Modern Classroom Project um, and their online class. I would then um, take a look at Loom. I, it's one of it's a nice video making software that it cr- it creates a real easy um, link. You just click on the link and then you have the link to share. Then you just make a hyperlink on your Google Doc for your video, and then what? And then I put all of that on Google Classroom so kids can find them easily. And so um, you know, it's always a good idea to just start with one topic, one subject at a time. Math makes the most sense because it's there's units and it's step by step already. Writing is another one because students write at all different paces. So just choose one thing at a time to work on and develop and uh, have fun. That's great advice for folks who are in the classroom. So we're going to send you guys
1: out today with this note. Have fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Robin. Thank you. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina, at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gergarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band.
0: Let's fly away in a cloud